0: Sweetheart It
1: Those are special times when we have just those sweet times of prayer and it doesn't always happen sometimes it's a struggle but praise God for just that those times special times how many of you brought your Bibles or your devices or phones you you version okay good bring your Bibles to the house of the Lord um, just to kind of get us going in the right direction here, let me ask you a few questions. How many of you vacuum your house every week or so? Just kind of off the wall, it seems like. Raise your hand, right? Okay, good. That's probably the majority. How many of you vacuum twice a week? All right. Um, any deranged crazies that vacuum uh, every day? Oh, my word. How about... Um, Nuts that vacuum twice a day. Anybody? You know what? Uh, We're going to make a call, and the people with white lab coats are going to come to your house and pay you a visit this week because you need to be under their care. And then, how many of you are really cool people and never vacuum? Could I see your hands, please? There you are. Cool, cool people. You know, obviously, we have. People who live in the house, and they're not slobs, but they enjoy their house. And for them, life is way too short to, you know, spend hours of cleaning when they could be doing other stuff much more worthwhile. And then we have the neat freaks here. we got a few. Uh, Tandy's one. Uh, if they get up in the middle of the night or the husband gets up in the middle of the night, they feel like they need to vacuum the footprints back away, you know, to, to, as they go back to bed. Now, here's here's what I want to say. There's nothing more spiritual about a clean house... Or less spiritual about a dirty house. You know the, the phrase that our mom used to quote us. Remember cleanliness is next to godliness. How many of you have ever heard that? How many of you have ever quoted that to your kids? You're lying because that's not in the Bible. Now it, it sounds good. And and I know you've tried to make it a spiritual issue. But it, it's really not. It's not in the Bible. Now I do think for sanitary purposes. For organizational purposes. For maybe your marriage sake. There are some advantages to having a fairly clean house. But a dirty house does not mean that you are going to hell. Do I hear an amen? However, when it comes to our spiritual house, it is absolutely imperative for us to have a clean house. And yes, you can be a slob, with a filthy physical house and still go to heaven. But you can't be a spiritual slob and go to heaven. Now we're going to build on this thought this morning by looking at a very familiar scripture. Um, and it's one of the few scriptures where, Jesus, where we see Jesus really mad. I mean, he was ticked. There was, he had fire in his eyes. And his actions showed how angry he was. And, and I was thinking about that this past week. That if, if there's something that makes Jesus mad, don't you think we need to find out what it is? Because I don't want to be guilty of that. I don't want to be guilty of making Jesus angry. And so we're going to look at this account today. You've got your Bibles open, Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. Today we're going to be in the NIV. It reads like this. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said, to in my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. Now we're going to continue this account in just a, a couple of moments. But I want to just give a little bit of background. Throughout history, we find that the temple has always played an important role in God's relationship with mankind. You know, for example, the first temple that God ever established was a temple in the Garden of Eden. And that temple's name was Adam. The Bible says that God's presence and God's glory was with Adam. And he walked and talked with him. He was God's very first temple. But you remember how Adam sinned and and that sin desecrated that temple. And so God moved out of the temple because God will not live in a dirty house. Another temple that God established was the temple that's talked about in the book of Ezekiel. But but there came a day when when that temple became filled with idols and other detestable practices. and, And God's word documents how the glory of the Lord departed from that temple because... God will not live in a dirty house. And then in the scripture we just read uh, about the way that uh, man had turned the house of prayer into a den of thieves. And and, and a few chapters later, Jesus said, and this is is so convicting. It says, your house is left unto you desolate. In other words, God had moved out. Because God will not live in a dirty house. Another temple that God had was his son, Jesus. And, and Jesus was that perfect and sinless temple. And, and in John chapter 2, Christ said, destroy this temple, referring to himself. And, and what will happen in three days, I'll raise it up. But there came a time when that perfect temple of Jesus was desecrated. As as he took on the sin of the world, he took your sin upon himself. He took my sin upon himself. And, and God moved out. And left Jesus alone on the cross, crying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God cannot live in a dirty house. Well, there's one more temple that I want to mention, and, and that's the temple of you and me. You know, the building that we get to worship in today is not the temple of God. Dur- during the age of law, a building was the temple, but during the age of grace... The temple is you. It's me. We read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You're, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Which means that if you're saved, you're the temple of God. God inhabits you. But unfortunately, many times, we as the temple of God... We've profaned that temple. We've desecrated the temple. And really, how many times have we seen this? People give themselves to God and and they live for Him a little while. But but sometimes uh, many of them fall back into their same patterns of sin, patterns of addiction. And because God cannot live in a dirty house, God's glory departs from them. Now, let's take our scripture and look at three things as it relates to us today. And the first thing we want to look at is the purpose of the temple. Our temple. Why why does this temple of you and me exist? Why are we here on earth? What's our purpose for being here? Well, let's look at three purposes. First of all, in scripture... We see that this temple is to be a place of prayer. We read that in Matthew twenty-one, thirteen: My house will be called a house of prayer. Now in the Old Testament, they had an altar of incense and it was to be burning all of the time. And the sweet smelling savor of that perfume of that incense would, would continually rise up to the Lord. And I believe that the prayer of a child of God is that sweet smelling incense that should continually be going up to the heavens. You know, 1 Thessalonians five seventeen says, pray without ceasing. Luke eighteen fourteen says, we should always pray and not faint. That the purpose of this temple that God has created is, we should be a place of prayer. And, and please don't get the idea that you always have to feel like praying. You know, I'll just be transparent with you. There are those times when I don't feel like praying. Just like there are times when I wake up and I don't feel like going to work. You know, I love what I do. I thank God he's allowed me to work here. I'm not one that hates what I do. Um, but, but there are times when I don't feel like going into the office. Uh, anybody relate? Anybody? Be honest. You just don't want to go to work today or tomorrow or whenever. Um, now, do you go anyway? Of course. You don't say, well, if I went to work today, since I don't feel like it, then I'd just be a hypocrite. So I'm going to stay home. But why is it that we say, well, I don't feel like praying today, so if I prayed, I would be a hypocrite. Or I don't feel like going to church today, so if I did, that would just make me a hypocrite. You know, our feelings should not dictate what we do. And so this temple of you, this temple of me, even though we don't feel like it, it is still to be a place of prayer. Prayer. As a matter of fact, I think it pleases God when he looks down on us and says, there's my child. I know he's tired. I know he doesn't feel well. I know he has a headache. But there he is praying. I believe that pleases God. Okay, so the first purpose of our temple is we are to be a place of prayer. Secondly, the second purpose of the temple is we are to be a place of healing. Read that in Matthew 21, 14, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. You say, well, does that mean that if I'm right with God, that I'm going to have the gift of healing? Yes. But not necessarily like you think. Understand that all of the examples in the Bible are illustrations of greater spiritual truths. yes. Jesus did heal the blind and he healed the lame and and, and there are times of healing today. But the Bible says in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do greater things than these because I'm going to the father. So God says, if we abide in Christ uh, and, and Christ in us and we have faith, then we can do even greater works than these acts of healing. Now, what's a greater work than opening blind eyes? It's opening people's eyes to Jesus Christ. What's a greater work than healing twisted limbs? It's helping people walk with Christ and I, I want to say something and don't misunderstand me I'm not trying to be uncaring because yes, God does heal physically, and that's amazing Alina testified to that that's amazing but I would rather lead a soul to Jesus than to heal a blind man any day. I would rather lead a soul to Jesus Christ than to heal a cripple any day. And I'm not discounting physical healings. But I want us to understand that miracles of grace are much greater than miracles of glory. And so when there is a physical healing, praise God. But when there is a spiritual healing... That's of eternal consequence. And so you and I are to be places of power where we help bring sight to those who have been blinded by Satan and to where we help those who have been crippled by sin learn how to walk in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, thirdly, the temple is to be the temple of you and I. were to be a place of worship. We continue our reading, verse 15 But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and just try to imagine and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David. You know, the chief priests, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? As his temple our praise and our worship should continually be ascending up into the heavens, beginning with the lips of children and infants. I, I was so thrilled this morning. I just have to tell you this. Uh, Dalton Hicks is, what would he be, four years old or so? He is just a bundle of energy and and Serena was telling me, his mom was telling me this morning um, just about Dalton praying for a situation in our lives and and this is kind of crazy, but it just to illustrate how, how kids, sometimes they get it, and we adults don't get it. Um, back about a month ago, I was, I was mowing my dad's lawn, and, and I saw something go scurrying through the grass or, or try to scurry. And I thought, well, there's a, there's a little rat or a mouse or something, a, a field mouse. Or, and, and as I got up closer, uh, I realized it was a squirrel, a little baby squirrel. And uh, he was doing his best to get away from the mower. And so I, um, he was struggling, so I shut off the mower and got off. And, and, and I saw that his, his brother or sister uh, was dead there. And, and uh, this guy was, um, wasn't dead, but he was close. He couldn't, uh, he, he couldn't walk right. His, uh, his back legs looked like we're paralyzed and so he was just dragging himself trying to get away and and so uh, you know I had had pity on this poor squirrel and and um, so I uh, I scooped him up and I I took him home which ended up being a mistake because um, you know generally when I do a a project like this to try to help an animal he's dead in about two days and I I had the touch, I think. Uh, But anyway, this little guy, he had a will to live. And uh, so here we are going on a month and we've still got this squirrel that uh, Jace named Mr. Mr. Nibbles. And, uh, you know, Mr. Nibbles is, he is cute as a button. And uh, would you believe Mr. Nibbles has bonded with my wife? And uh, we put in a a um, uh, one of these little beanie uh, no no what what are they called beanie baby a, a robin a bird of all things uh, about the same size and and he thinks that's his brother or sister or mom or something and they are best buds they play all day long he rolls around and but anyway faith goes out there and that squirrel just lay on his back lift his legs want to be rubbed on the tummy. And faith will hold it, and it 'll just kind of nibble and get the salt off of her skin and and uh, the worst thing about it is it loves our pecans, and so we 're about to go broke feeding away all of our precious pecans uh, but but anyway, the whole reason for this crazy story is that Dalton came it was in the first day or two after we i 'd gotten it from from dad 's yard and uh You know, he he saw it, and of course it's still paralyzed. It just drags the the hind in along. And and so Dalton took it seriously, and he started praying for Mr. Nibbles. And and, and Serena said, you know what? This boy has prayed for this squirrel so faithfully. Now, he's still paralyzed in the back quarters, but this is the way it is. They get it. You know, when there's a need like this, even if it's a silly little squirrel, here this four-year-old boy knows what to do. He prays to our Heavenly Father who loves every being on earth. And I'm just thinking about that. You know, as I read the Scripture from the lips of children and infants, you've ordained praise. And and I think there's no higher form of praise than to see our children worshiping God. And so I, I pray that those of you, uh, those of us as parents and, and and grandparents that we will instill in our children from birth about worshiping God. And uh, I mean, I, as I was thinking about this this past week, can you imagine how it makes God feel when we take our praise and worship so casually? I would think it would offend God when you know, when Rachel is leading us and our, our our praise and people are out in the foyer visiting and talking and laughing, I I I would think it would be highly offensive to God. You know, I I wish that we had a passion to worship him through our music. And and, and our temples are our, our bodies are to be places of worship. Well, let's move on. Not only do we want to look at the purpose of the temple, but let's look at what happened in Matthew 21. There was the desecration of the temple. And how was it desecrated? Well, as we read, the people of God had allowed the temple to become a den of thieves. Now, Now, let me give you some background for the scripture. Because if you just do a quick surface reading, it's not going to make a lot of sense. But it talks about the money changers. The predominant currency during that day was the Roman currency. Roman coins had the image of Caesar on them by Jewish law anything with the image of Caesar could not be found in the temple in other words you couldn't put Roman money in the offering plate it had to be Jewish currency which for all practical purposes Jewish currency was worthless during that day because it was all geared through the Roman currency and so uh, the, the, the money changers in the outer court would take people's, Romans, uh, people's Roman currency that they had to have to buy food and everything else. And they took that currency and exchanged it for the worthless Jewish coins. So it was like giving real money in exchange for monopoly money. And, and, and the money changers were making a killing off that business because the Jewish people would, would, would take the Jewish coins, put them in the offering... And here's what would happen. The leaders of the temple would get the money from the offering, take it back out to the outer court, so those money changers could again exchange that money for Roman currency. I mean, it was a ripoff. It was probably the first Ponzi scheme ever. I mean, it was like a pyramid scheme. And they were scamming people in the house of prayer. And the money that was supposed to be used for God's glory was being used for man's greed. You say, well, how does that apply to us? Well, again, we're a temple of God, of of the Holy Spirit. And and as a temple of God, we exist to give glory to God. And I want you to listen to this. Anytime we allow sin to come into our heart, then we're desecrating the temple. Would you just nudge your neighbor and say, this is going to get close to you? You want to do that? Just... Anytime we say a four-letter cuss word, we desecrate the temple. Every time we gossip, even if we say, bless their hearts, because that makes us feel better, doesn't it? When we're about ready to gossip, we say, bless their hearts, or sometimes we say it afterwards, and it's like it absolves us of any guilt. But every time we gossip, even if we say, bless their hearts, we desecrate this temple. Every time we look at a pornographic image, we desecrate the temple. Every time we don't pay our bills and we bring reproach on our witness, we desecrate the temple. Every time we lie, even if it's just a little white lie, We desecrate the temple. And I think I've said this a time or two this morning, but God cannot live in a dirty house. I heard about a man one time who professed to be a Christian, but he was like so many people in this community. He said he was a Christian, but he did not go to church, didn't have time. It was was his only day off. And of course, he didn't really care about serving in ministry, didn't tithe and but it wasn't just that. He was wasn't living a godly life, but according to him he was a Christian. And someone once asked him about it, said you call yourself a Christian, but you don't live it. You don't live like a Christian. He said, Oh, you don't have to do all of that to be a Christian. He said the dying thief on the cross turned to Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom and, and Jesus said, You know, this day you'll be with me in paradise. And the man said, This guy on the cross was never baptized. He never tithed. He never went to church. He just trusted God and went straight to heaven. And he said, That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bypass all this other nonsense. I'm going to go straight to heaven when I die. And his friend said to him, There's a big difference between that man and you. And the difference is that that man on the cross was a dying thief, but you, sir, are a living thief. Because a man who says, I belong to Jesus, yet does not live a godly life, is stealing from God. He's trying to take shortcuts. And so before we move on, can I just ask you? Can I be really be blunt this morning? Are you desecrating the temple of God? Have you profaned it by allowing sin to be in the temple? The third thing I want you to notice is the cleansing of the temple. What did Christ do to cleanse the temple? Well, we're going to get a parallel account. You understand that there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they will sometimes give the same incident, but it's from another perspective, sometimes adding a few details. And John has a few details that Matthew didn't have. So let's read from John chapter 2, verse 15. So he made a whip out of cords. And drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? Now, I want you to try to imagine the confusion. Let's let's say that here are the money changers. They've got their tables set up and... And they had their ones, maybe bills right here, and their fives and their tens, and and then they had their coins all stacked up neatly. And then on another table, they had cages of these doves that they would use for sacrifice. And and all of a sudden, Jesus goes in there. He turns those tables over. He opens up the cage, and out come the birds. And so the birds are flying. The money's rolling. And Christ, the God of order, has just made a mess out of everything. And he's mad. Now remember, we're applying this to us because we're a temple of God. In the Old Testament, he had a temple for his people, but now he has a people for his temple. But when we allow sin to come into our lives and we profane the holy temple of God... Since God cannot live in a dirty house, he does everything possible to bring us to the point where we will do some serious house cleaning in our souls. And how does he do that? He does that through discipline. I mean, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 talks about it says, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his Holiness. Remember that word holiness. God wants a holy temple. He cannot live in a dirty house. Verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So God loves you too much to let you make your temple be a place of sin. Sin is never acceptable to God. Because he wants to dwell within you. He wants his glory to fill you. And God will not live in a dirty house. There's a very important verse in Titus chapter 2 verse 14. It says, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. Catch that, redeem us from all wickedness. And to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. And so the two things we see in this verse, Christ gave himself to redeem us. And that is a wonderful experience. I, I remember that time in my life where God redeemed me. He forgave me of my sins. Anybody remember that time in your life? Wasn't that an amazing time? We were redeemed. But this verse also talks about purifying us. In other words, God wants to do a work of cleansing in our hearts. It's not just enough to be redeemed, but He wants to go beyond that and cleanse us. And fill us with His Holy Spirit. And I believe that one of the greatest tragedies of today is that we have a bunch of Christians who have given their hearts to God. And that's wonderful, but they don't take seriously the matter of allowing God to purify their hearts. And so they walk around, they claim to love Jesus, but they lie, they they cuss. There's no difference from the world. They continue to be slaves to their sin. And instead of emphasizing God's grace that can make them overcomers through Christ Jesus and purify them, what they emphasize, well, we're all sinners and, you know, we'll sin every day and we're still cloaked in the cloak of of human flesh. Let me just say, I don't believe the Bible teaches perfectionism. But I do believe with all my being that the Bible teaches purity. And when we do not live lives that are pure, God is grieved with our sin. He's not okay with sin. And God will not and cannot live in a dirty house. One of the most tragic stories in the Bible, I think, is found in, in the book of Ezekiel. And if you've been in church, you've probably heard this. Some of the old-time preachers, they used to really preach on this, and I think probably overused it, and they try to scare people, and so I hesitate to use it, but I think there's a very powerful lesson here. I briefly referred to this scripture at the beginning of, my, of our lesson. Well, let me just kind of expand on that a little bit. And the background for this account could be summed up by one verse, Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Son of man, you're living among a rebellious people. That was describing the people of that day. It says, they have eyes to see but do not see. They have ears to hear but do not hear. For they are a rebellious people. Remember, that's the setting for the scripture that we're about to get to. And listen to how God responded to that rebellion. And that disobedience. There's a progression. We go to Ezekiel chapter 10 verse 4. And I want you to really track with me on this. It says, then the glory of the Lord rose from above the cherubim and moved to the threshold of the temple. Now, let me just explain. In the Old Testament, God's glory was to be in the temple. That was a place. When you went into the temple, you, you were supposed to feel God's glory because God inhabited the temple. But as God saw the disobedience of his people, his glory began to depart. And, and this verse says that it went from inside the temple to the threshold, or it went to the door of the temple. Well, let's skip down 14 verses. Notice the progression. Verse 18. Then the glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple and stopped above the cherubim. While I watched, the cherubim spread their wings and rose from the ground. And they stopped at the entrance to the east gate of the Lord's house. And the glory of the God of Israel was above them. So the glory of God went from inside the temple to the doors of the temple. Now to the east gate which would be the outer cord of the temple. See what's happening? God is grieved by the sin of the people. And he cannot live in a dirty house, so he's departing. Understand that generally God doesn't all of a sudden just leave a church or leave a people. It's a gradual process. And many times we don't even realize it. But look one more time in verse 23. The glory of the Lord went up from within the city and stopped above the mountain east of it. Temple, threshold, outer court, and now a mountain away from the temple. Because God cannot and will not live in a dirty house. His glory slowly lifted from the temple of the Lord and from the people of God. I don't know what that uh, I don't know what that does to you but that scares me because it's a process no one ever backslides just like that. It's a process. it takes time. we get used to it and go farther and farther away from God. It's the same way when it comes to the glory of the Lord. It's, you know, when, when we come to Christ, there, there's just that vibrancy, there's that excitement. And so many times, you know, we live on the mountaintop, but then slowly there's the fade. And it's slow enough to where we're not even realizing what's happening. In my office this past week I began just praying And I prayed that God's glory Would rest on me as your pastor I don't want God's glory To depart from me But then I also prayed that God's glory Would rest on you individually As the people of God I prayed that there would be such a strong sense of God's presence for your lives. But then the third part of my prayer was, God, would your glory, would you allow your glory to rest upon this church? I mean, those of us that congregate together, we call ourselves part of this local church. God, would you allow your glory to just Fill this place when we come. I remember when the dedication of the temple took place, Solomon, the glory of the Lord was there so strongly it said that the priests and the Levites, they had to step out of the way because God's glory was front and center. And I pray that we would experience marvelous outpourings of the Holy Spirit in this church. But you know how that begins? It's not what's going to happen here. It's what happens in your life. You know, when we get our hearts, allow Jesus Christ to purify us, and we get sin out of our lives, you know what's going to happen? God's glory is going to rest upon us. And then when we come to church, in a right relationship, a right standing with God, God's glory is going to be here in such an amazing way. And we won't be able to seat everybody that will want to come and experience what's going on. Not because of this church, but because of God. So this morning, as we wrap up the service, I like to just ask us to be praying and search our hearts. Is there sin, unconfessed sin, in your heart today? I mean, just think about that for a moment. Are there some things in your life that you know should not be there? If there are. You know, today's the day. You say, well, I'm worried about what somebody will think. Well, you better worry about what God thinks of you. And not worry about what your neighbor thinks of you. You know, you can fool me, you can fool each other, but you can't fool God. And one of these days, the truth is going to come out. So I would rather it come out now instead of at the judgment day. So I'm not trying to take anything away from you. If you're in the right standing with God, praise God. But if you're not where you should be with God, Would you make those corrections today? Let's pray together, Father. I just ask that your Holy Spirit would begin to just search us. Father, I pray that there would be something that would resonate within us. Lord, forgive us for those times that we've had a dirty house, a dirty temple. You've had to move out But today we confess that. Lord, we turn from that. God, would you give us a holy temple? Clean, pure, pleasing to you. Lord, we don't want to desecrate the temple any longer. Lord, if there's something that makes you angry, it's when we allow sin to come and inhabit the temple. And of course, we're the temple. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be clean before you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Is there somebody that would just be transparent, and say, God has spoken to me today, Pastor, would you just pray for me? Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Many, many hands. Thank you for being honest. I want to ask you just to stand. Maybe there's some of you that we'd like to come forward. There's nothing magical about coming forward, but. If God is speaking to you right now, why would you wait? If you want to just come and kneel and say, God, here I am. I confess, I pour myself out before you. I want my temple to be clean and pure. Many hands were raised, and this doesn't mean that you're not serving God. Not at all. This just means that you want more of God, and you want to make sure that you're clean. Anybody else We've had a few come and... I would invite you to come. If you raise your hand, why don't you go ahead and just come and take this opportunity to make sure that you have given yourself completely to God. Someone else, just obey the Lord right now. Maybe we could have some men and women gather around these that that have come forward and just pray with them. Let's just... uh, Let's just seek God. Let's just, uh, uh, let's just ask God to do a work and give us his glory. Anybody else you want to come? You want to come pray for these or you want to come pray for yourself or pray for someone in your family that doesn't know Christ? Oh, Lord, I thank you just for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. God, we want more of you. Forgive us for those times that we've grieved you. When we've been casual with sin in our lives and careless. Forgive us, but cleanse us, Lord. Help us now to be able to just... Lord, see your glory come back into our lives. That we would have more and more of you. Father, make a difference, I pray. Lord, I want the glory of God to rest upon my life. I want the glory of God to rest upon every person here today. And and then, Lord, when we come together, I want the glory of God to just be in this church. Lord, that it would be just kind of an atmosphere that's electric with, not emotionalism, but the glory of God. Lord, make us different this week as a result of your Holy Spirit speaking to us. Father, I thank you so much. I pray this in your name. One more thing, Lord, from those many hands that were raised, didn't come forward. That's okay. But I pray that they would find just a quiet place today and seek you. God, help them to seek you because your word says that if we seek you, you will be found. Go with us, I pray. I ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I would ask you uh, not to be visiting here. We want to continue to pray with these here and give them an opportunity to seek God. You can do your visiting out there. And thank you so much for coming. You're dismissed.
0: You've been listening to the Sunday Morning Message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.